remember when they said it's time for the Pelicans to relocate. I think a city like Seattle, a city like Las Vegas, is more deserving of a of a of a team, of a basketball team, because I play. Relocate, relocate, more deserving. See, that was your problem, my brother. You played in New Orleans, but you didn't become one with New Orleans. You never got to know New Orleans. You just collected a check in New Orleans. Well, we got you, though. Yeah. Yeah, them haters clap. Now we clapping back. Check them standings out. We one of the best. We know the build. We know the strong. We 504. We prove it wrong. From worst to first. Just watch us work. We won't bow down. You hate it still. We turned around. So what's the deal? We Pelican Nation. New Orleans proud. New Orleans proud. It's Pelican Nation. New Orleans proud. It's Pelican Nation. Yeah. Watch your mouth when you speak about us. Because you don't know about us. Remember when they said it's time for the Pelicans to relocate. I think a city like Seattle, a city like Las Vegas is more deserving of a of a of a team, of a basketball team, because I play Relocate. Relocate. More deserving? See, that was your problem, my brother. You played in New Orleans, but you didn't become one with New Orleans. You never got to know New Orleans. You just collected a check in New Orleans. Well, we got you, though. Yeah. Yeah, them haters clap. Now we clapping back. Check them standings out. We one of the best. We know the build. We know the strong. We 504. We prove it wrong. From worst to first. Just watch us work. We won't bow down. You hate it still. We turned around. So what's the deal? We Pelican Nation. New Orleans proud. New Orleans proud. It's Pelican Nation. New Orleans proud. It's Pelican Nation. Yeah. Watch your mouth when you speak about us. Because you don't know about us. Keeping it real with that sports pod, legendary coach Rock, those 17. Let's rock. Who that? Boss kick. Black and gold. Let's go. First and go from the one. Best believe we go punch. Punching in? Get them punch. With them saints. Watch as much. Down the field? Down your throat. Keeping it real. Who that sports? Breaking news? Interviews? Open lines? Just for you. Call in, join in, Pell Nation, just win, B.I., Mount Zion, Coach Green, oh my, CJ, JV, Trick or Trade, Jose, uh, keep it real, baby, keep it real, baby, uh, keep it real, baby, keep it real, baby.
Keeping it real, family. Who that nation? How you doing? Come on in. It's your boy, Dolph 17. And want to welcome everybody to the aftermath. Tonight, family, we have a special guest coming through. You know him. You've heard of him. He's the author, the Amazon award-winning author. He's the man who knows everything about J-Bo. He's the man that knows stats that you don't know to show you that Jameis Winston is indeed a very talented quarterback. So with no further ado, please, everyone, let's welcome in the one and only Mr. Jameis 101. Jameis 101, how you doing? How you doing, brother? Can you hear me good? I can hear man. I can hear you perfect, my brother. Thank you for joining us this evening, my brother. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's been yeah. a long time coming. It's been a long time coming, man. Hey, we, hey, we got, we getting it done. We got it done. That's all that matters, man. And again, man, I want to thank you again for taking time out your um busy schedule to join us, man. It's a pleasure to have you, man. And um, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Coaches looking forward to it, and the family's looking forward to it, man. And we gonna have some fun tonight, man. It's not. Not like every other um podcast you've been on. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind, it's kind of like um that backyard barbecue, man. With the, cool. with the, yeah, so that we gonna have some fun. We gonna touch on some things, man, and um uh, get my co-host is coming in, popping in the one and only legendary. There he is, Coach Rock. What's going on, guys? How you doing, Coach? Good, good. All right, man. Everybody in the chat. Uncle Jerry, how you doing? Come on in. Barbara, how you doing? Come on in. All right, who else we? Number one Saints fan, how you doing? Come on in. Yeah, we here, baby. Listen, fam, there's 19 of us here. I ask that you please hit that, hit that light bell. Please subscribe if it's your first time here. And I ask everyone, please, to share the show on your social media platform. With that being stated, let's let's have some fun. L Dub, how you doing? Dana, how you doing? Uh oh, the one and only A James one on one. I know you know this man, the hardest working man on pod. The one and only Hoodie Jew, Hoodie, how you doing? Come on in. <laughs> All right, man. So so James one on one, man. Give us a little background, man. My my first question, my brother, is how'd you even um. What made you um, want to write about Jameis? What made you um, start to follow Jameis' career? I mean, really, I just uh, – I'm a big fan of quarterback play, right? So I've been right. studying quarterback play and, and kind of researching quarterbacks and crunching numbers for decades. Um, and I like to pick up on quarterbacks as quick as possible. So I really – I wasn't up on Jameis much in high school. And then it was his first game, Florida State Pitt. My son and I watched that. And um, that was when I was like, okay, this, this kid's something special. Uh, I need to keep an eye on him. I need to start, you know, keeping track of how, how he compares to people from the past, stuff like that. Right. Um, and like I've said many times, like most phenom quarterbacks, they flame out pretty quick. Like it's, it's very, very rare for a, even like a top 10, you know, high school quarterback to make it to the NFL. Most of them flame out in college. Um, so Jameis being, you know, the number one, high school quarterback, you know, the elite 11 MVP, the youngest Heisman winner ever at the time, 
you know, a number one overall pick. Like, that doesn't happen. There's not phenoms in the NFL usually. There's tons of phenoms in the NBA. Like, the NBA is loaded with phenoms. But the NFL, especially at the quarterback position, it just doesn't happen very often at all. Okay. Okay. Um, So, when you saw him, um, like you said, you saw him, you watched him, he's a phenom, you, you felt like, hey, this kid is special. So how how was it um, when you first um, were able to meet Jameis? Well, I usually never talk about like you know personal okay. stuff oh, like okay. that. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. My bad, my bad. Um, no, no problem, no problem. But no, no yeah. problem. So uh, let, as we talk about, let, let's talk about his stats then, because a lot of people, of course, you know what they're stuck on that one season, and all they want to talk about is thirty the thirty ints, but the um. They comfortably, I'll just say it like that, overlooked five over five thousand yards and thirty-three touchdowns. And it's like they just want to put this kid in a box from this one, from just this one season. So what what was your thought about that? Well, yeah, I, I was having a, an interesting discussion the other day with a with a stats guy and, and we were kind of laughing about it because most of the people that you know you hear ripping Jameis it's it's all like social media trolls and stuff like that and they're extremely ignorant when it comes to quarterback play quarterback evaluation quarterback history any of that stuff um that's why when i get in debates with people and stuff generally speaking they all run away quick because they realize it's over their head like they don't know the history they don't know the data they don't know any of this stuff they just kind of you know have subjective emotional opinions um but what we were laughing about was people don't recognize, you know, the different schemes and styles and systems that are in football. And a good way to think of it is cross-sport comparisons with basketball. Bruce Arians, his offense is comparable when you look in the NBA to a Mike D'Antoni offense, right? Okay. The, the right. turnovers are not prioritized. Scoring, yards is, moving the ball is. And so nobody was complaining when James Harden running the D'Antoni offense, for example, was leading the league in turnovers. Nobody cared, right? Because he was scoring a lot and getting a lot of assists and he's in the MVP race. It didn't make any difference that he was, you know, near the top of the league in turnovers. Same with Steve Nash, same with a lot of these guys. So it does depend on the style you play. If you're in a run first offense and you're focused on, you know, defense or Dennis Allen this year, seeming, you know, to want to win games 13 to nine, (laughs) you know, (laughs) turnovers are at an extreme premium, right? You you don't want to turn the ball over. But when you're playing fast and furious and literally your goal in every game is to just win shootouts, and that's what Jameis, the position that he was in from, say, 2016 through 2019 in Tampa, they put the ball in his hands and they said, win us a shootout, kid. Sling us to victory. Right? He had no run game, and it was on him, and he knew the defense was probably going to give up 25 to 30 a game every single night. So when that's when that's the case, yeah, I mean, the premium is on points. Go score as much as you possibly can. So – it, it is the difference between looking at like a Dan Tony system and then looking at like, for example, Phil Jackson with the triangle. A lot of the times when even with Kobe and Shaq, like their scoring numbers were low. Their defense was high. Like it, it was a different system. You know, Dan Tony comes in and turnovers don't matter. Field right. goal percentage didn't even matter anymore. Right. Uh, because they were getting threes instead of twos. So it doesn't really make about. any difference if you could shoot 50% because shooting 35% is better on threes than 50% on twos. Right, it's 0.7 points per possession instead of 0.5. So, um, but people don't understand stuff like that. They just they have a a subjective opinion on Jameis, and then they just constantly push that forward. 
And it really doesn't matter what he does. I mean, no. we saw in 2021, he stepped in with Peyton. That was, it, it, you know, it was a scaled back offense because they've had perhaps the worst receiving core in the NFL. Everything was scaled back. And what did Jameis do? He was second in the entire NFL in EPA to Rodgers. He was top four in total QBR, top four in raw QBR, led the entire NFL in touchdown percentage. Like these are all the metrics that won Aaron Rodgers the MVP that year. And Jameis was elite in all of them. And that was an entirely new thing for him because it wasn't a vertical offense. It wasn't air it out. It wasn't win shootouts, kid. It was, you know, play smart, play wise. Don't turn the ball over. Take your shots when you can. And he thrived, right? So he's, he's right. one of the rare quarterbacks that have been in extremely varied systems and thrived in both. Okay. Coach, you got anything? No, I'm just, I'm just listening, man. I'm like a sponge right now. I'm just trying to... <laughs> so, so um, as, as um, Barbara says, wherever Aaron goes, interceptions proliferate, which is true. And um, I think, like, like you say, just like in fighting, styles make fights. So it, does, it did matter what type of offense uh, Jameis was in. So when Jameis comes to New Orleans, he plays for Peyton. He's excited to be here. Is I mean, it's a team he watched growing up. He always wanted to be here. He he, you know, he idolized Drew Brees, and now he had the chance to come and learn from Sean Payton and Drew Brees. He gets his chance last year, and like like you just spoke up. I mean, he he was he was lighting up. He to me, he was on pace for a career year if if he didn't get injured. I mean, and for what what happened this year is I think James was set up for failure. After week one, that full quarter, we saw what James can do with a with a healthy Michael Thomas, Olave, Jarvis Landry, with all the Alvin Kamara, with all the weapons he had, and how the Saints in just a, a blank of an eye, they can just they can just, I mean, score at will almost. It, I mean, it was scary. But little did we know coming out that game, this kid had gotten full crack vertebrates in his back. So my my question is, as a head coach, if you know this young man is hurt like that, even though he wants to go out there against his former team, Tampa Bay, we understand all that. But you're the head coach. You make the final decision. Sometimes as a coach, you have to save a player from himself. So my question to you is, do you feel do you feel like Dennis Allen and the New Orleans Saints set Jameis up for failure, or did they let him down? Um, I mean, not going into the year. I, I know there's a lot of people that feel that way, and a lot of people think you know I'm I'm just totally anti Dennis Allen. I'm not. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, right? I think that's kind of like his calling in life. Um, I think he proved he was an abysmal head coach this year, and in the previous four years he was in in Oakland, right? Agreed. agreed. Um, but, I mean, Jameis wasn't set up to fail from the beginning, right? The beginning, Mickey Loomis had a what I considered an absolutely magnificent two-year plan, right? I mean, he went and got Olave and Penning rather than take a reach on a quarterback like Kenny Pickett, who right. had a terrible rookie year, absolutely terrible, um, or, or Malik Willis, who, again, had a really bad rookie year and then wasn't even started at the end. They brought a guy in who was only there 17 days and played him. So Mickey Loomis used two first-round picks on non-quarterbacks to support Jameis. He even traded away his first-round pick this year, which is a deep quarterback draft, and I know a lot of Saints are mad about now because of the way things turned out. I understand that. 
But Loomis did that so that he could make sure he got Olave and got a new left tackle in Penny. So Mickey had a full two-year plan where everything was going to be on Jameis for two years, you know, prove that that you're the man, that you're, gonna, you're the guy to succeed Breeds, uh, Drew Brees, and then we'll go from there. So, so he was that, told that he was the man to replace Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was the full plan. That was Mickey's plan, and I loved it, and, like, it, it made sense. And Dennis Allen, I mean, yes, people will say, well, he wanted Deshaun. Okay, fine, but that's not an insult. Deshaun was considered an elite, you know, top five talent at the quarterback position. It's not an insult. It's not a big deal. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the one guy the, the Bucks moved off Jameis for was Brady. Like, that's not an insult either, <laughs> right? right. Um, and Arians even came out, you know, recently and, and admitted. Like, back then when it was happening in 2019, Arians floated out into the media that, you know, they had to look behind door number two and door number three and that, you know, there was there were multiple other options other than Jameis. He didn't even mention Teddy Bridgewater. And the media picked up on that. And I put it out right away. I said, Bruce is lying. I absolutely know. I like I know where all this is going. It's a it's a negotiation ploy. It's nonsense. And some of the media said, No, no, you know, Bruce doesn't lie. I said, Of course he does. He's a coach. What are you talking about? They want Jameis as cheap as possible if Brady doesn't come back. I mean, if Brady doesn't choose them over the Chargers. So Arians came out recently and admitted it was all nonsense. It was all a smokescreen that it was only Brady or Jameis, that they weren't moving off Jameis for anybody other than Tom Brady. So, and Mickey had everything built perfectly for a two-year thing with Jameis to see what happened. And Dennis, yes, he wanted Deshaun. He wanted his own dude. He didn't want to be in Sean Payton's shadow, all that stuff. But going into the season, Jameis was the man, right? Jameis didn't get most of the QB1 reps throughout camp or preseason because he was still rehabbing the ACL. And he also was dealing with another smaller injury. So Andy was getting those reps with the, the receivers. Okay. But Jameis was Dennis's guy. Dennis started in week one. And, of course, Jameis led the largest fourth quarter comeback in Saints history, right? Correct. With, a, with a 111 passer rating and a perfect 158-3 passer rating in the fourth quarter. Yeah, 213, 213 yards of offense in the fourth, all of them on Jameis's arm. Not a single yard came from Kamara or any of the running backs or anything. Right. So – so Dennis, you know, Dennis was fully on board with that. The issue was, of course, Jameis broke his back, right? Four right. At that point, Dennis knows the seasons. Like, what are we doing? Obviously, this kid is not going to start all year long. You, you can't play all year with four broken vertebrae. No. Right? So in Dennis's mind, I can, like, I, this isn't facts, but I can just picture it. He's freaking out, right? The guy was 8-28 and 28 in Oakland. He was an abject disaster in Oakland and was fired, you know, just four games in with Derek Carr, who he didn't win a single game with. Carr was 0-4 with him. And now this is Dennis's first real shot at being a head coach again. And his QB1, the guy that his GM built a two-year plan around, is basically done. You're not you're not playing through the year with four broken vertebrae. So Dennis puts him out there in week two. And, yeah, I think that, that in and of itself was kind of setting Jameis up to fail. But at the same time, Jameis really did want to play that game. He pushed to play that game. So part of it's on him, and he's even acknowledged that. Right, right, he did. I, I do agree with you. Dennis should have, you know, been the adult in the room, been the coach, and said, no, you're not playing. Right. Because had he done that, Jameis, you know, six weeks from then, he could have came back. And the season still could have definitely been saved. But Dennis let him play. That's on both of them. Um, the, the big issue that I have in – Loomis knows this. Everybody in the organization knows this. The biggest issue that I have is that in the third quarter of that game, Jameis ruptured 
his perennial tendon. And Dennis gave him a shot and sent him back out on the field. Wow. That's insane. Like you're talking about your QB one with a four broken vertebrae in his back. And then on top of that, he ruptures his tendon and you don't put the backup in then that's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. So he put him back in that game. That's when the three interceptions happened was after. So Jameis, right. I mean, honestly, Jameis had zero interceptions all year long, zero turnovers until he had both a broken back and a ruptured perennial tendon. So he puts him back in that game. It ends bad. They lose. How in the world do you start him the next week, knowing yeah. that he has both a broken back and a ruptured tendon? That's knowing, where I was about to go. Yeah, knowing that there's no way he can just keep playing every game with those injuries the rest of the year. So the choice for Dennis is either we put him on IR or, or at least we sit him down, right, for basically 10 weeks. It's, a, it's like an 8- to 10-week injury. We set him down for 10 weeks, and we see what happens. Or we throw this kid out against a tough Carolina defense. And Carolina's defense is no joke, right? We throw him out against a tough Carolina defense knowing he cannot play the full year, knowing that we have to turn to Dalton at some point. Right. Knowing that the next games after Carolina are against the Minnesota defense that's terrible and getting shredded a Seattle defense that at that time was on pace to be the worst defense in the history of football. And so Dennis Allen decided, I'm going to put Jameis out there against the best defense we play in the next three or four weeks, knowing he's not going to be able to play all these games. And then we're going to turn to Dalton against the easier defenses. And this is why a lot of people, you know, inside Jameis's camp and even just in the, in the saints fan base think something was fishy about that is because, the whole, you know, the, everybody knew you can't play this kid the whole year on a broken back and a ruptured perennial tendon. So why are you choosing to play him against the toughest defense they're going to face in the next few weeks? Right. And then give Andy the weak stretch of games against weak defenses when you could give him the rest right now. And they didn't do that. And right. then on top of that, to kind of string him along and, and, and have him come to, uh, to, to London, you know, flying the plane when he should have just been rehabbing and, and resting like, yeah, I mean that's that's where it gets a little bit, in my view, like unethical, right? Um, leadership to me, that's a lack of leadership from the head coach. Yeah, and and I think I I honestly think like I sympathize with Dennis too. Like I, I don't hate the guy, I love the guy. I don't, I don't I hate, hate him, him, but I don't sympathize right. with him because <laughs> that was I mean, weak. Yeah, I, I think that he knew. Smoke. We're not going to have Jameis this year. You know, right. it's possible we have them for a game here and maybe a couple games at the end of the year, but it's it's done. This is now going to have to be Andy's team. And sure. so what's the best way to set up Andy for success at that point? Mm-hmm. It's to make Jameis play on a broken back and with a, tor- uh, with a ruptured tendon against the tough defense, the Panthers, and then to give Andy the, the easy defenses. Give him a slate of games where it's nice and easy for him. We can go run first. We can do this. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. So, and so like, I mean, I, I get it because at that point, Dennis knows Jameis is done. So I, I get it. Like he was, he, he's trying to save his own job and he's trying to protect himself and he's trying to do what he thinks is best. And what he thinks is best is I've got to make Andy look as good as possible to the team. And the best way to do that is not to throw him in against Carolina. It's to give him a week to get ready and get him up against an easier defense in Minnesota. And then an extremely easy defense in Seattle. So you throw him out. You, so you, so you throw Jameis out there. Against an extremely good defense with full crack vertebrae and a uh, stress fracture in his foot. 
just to save face for Andy Dalton the next week. I don't know well, how. Yeah, and, and I mean, I th I I think Da I think Da kind of would have to spin it that way because see, Da is kind of a buffoon behind the podium, right? Like he's he's a genius defensive coordinator, but behind the podium, he doesn't know how to answer questions, and he gets himself all sort of discombobulated and answers things very strangely. And Da kind of would have to say what I'm saying because the alternative doesn't make any sense. Because later on, he told people, well, he flat out lied and said Jameis was healthy when he wasn't. And then he told people that we're going with Andy as an offensive decision. Okay, the problem with that is, dude, you chose to start Jameis knowing that Jameis had a broken back and a ruptured perennial tendon over a 100% healthy Andy Dalton. So there's no way that you can spin it later on that, well, we think, a healthy Andy gives us a better chance than a healthy Jameis. That just makes you a complete moron in the beginning of the year then, when you thought that a, a broken-backed, ruptured tendon Jameis gave you a better chance than Andy. That doesn't make any sense. None. <laughs> wow. So, Coach, you got anything? <clears throat> nah. Um, I guess the only question I would ask, so with all that being said, why... Are they moving on from him without saying, okay, well, let's let him recover this year, and then we'll bring him back next year. Hopefully he's healthy. And, you know, give him another shot instead of just totally annihilating him this year. And moving forward to next year, they just totally have moved away from him totally now. Well, I mean, he's still under contract. So, like, never say never, right? Um, okay. They could have released him, right? They could have when when DA decided we're just riding Andy the rest of the entire year, right? And I know there were people calling for Jameis to start versus the Raiders and, and stuff like that. I always said Falcons game, right? Give him the full recovery period on the tendon, and the Falcons game is when he could play. Well, you know, they were coming off the buyout. That, that made sense. But when DA decided at that point we're just going to ride DA for the rest of the year, they could have released Jameis. And I think they know full well he would have been claimed by the Titans. He would have been claimed by the Dolphins. He would have been, you know, there's teams that would have claimed him that were in the playoff race. Um, the Titans probably would have won the claim because I think they had the earliest claim waiver. And obviously they prefer him over a guy like Josh Dobbs that they brought off a practice squad, you know, and Jameis would have had a chance to throw the Titans into the playoffs that final game of the year against the Jags. Had the Titans not claimed him, Jameis would have got that playoff game probably with the, with the Dolphins, <laughs> right? So that would have made DA look terrible too, though. You're not gonna you're not gonna lie about Jameis and say that he's healthy when he's not, but we we're just going with Andy and then give Jameis a chance to go throw a team into the playoffs. Because if he does it, you look insane. The fan base is like, imagine had that happened, right? Imagine had the Saints released Jameis, he signed with the, the Titans, and they won that game against the Jags. And the Titans are in the playoffs with Jameis starting, and the Saints are sitting at home. The fan base would have immediately just everybody would have been calling for DA to get fired. And he actually may have got fired because then how does the brass even make that work? Like the dude that we planned for two years to build around, he got rid of, and that dude's in the playoffs and we're not like that really may have got DA fired. So, you know, I was talking with, with uh, Underhill and some other guys and I, and I told them the only solution, the only thing that works for DA is to win or lose with Dalton. Even a loss with Dalton looks better than a win with Winston. Because if you turn back to Jameis after that Bucks loss, after the season's over, 
and Jameis wins you a game, like they knew Jameis or Dalton could win that that Falcons game. Not a big deal, right? right? But have you won that game with Jameis? What is the narrative? You moron, why didn't you start him versus Tampa? Why didn't you start him versus the the Niners when we were shut out? We only gave up 13 points and we lost. Why didn't you? So it didn't make any sense. You know, Dennis has to keep his job security has to be his number one issue, right? He's he, like that's everybody's. Nobody wants to get fired. Dennis isn't in the in the uh, profession of making Jameis look good. He's in the profession of keeping his job and keeping his paycheck. So I understand it from that perspective. Um, it's it's a, it's just a sad situation. And as far as moving forward, you know the the old adage like you replace who you can replace. Like if you can upgrade, upgrade. And I say that about the coach too. Right. Like if you can upgrade a coach, upgrade a coach. I'm shocked that the Chargers are not moving off Staley for Sean Payton. That that's mind blowing to me. Like to me, Sean Payton should be a Charger. Like it doesn't make any sense that they're sticking with a kid that that blew a 27 nothing lead, you know, a week ago as the coach when you can get Sean Payton. So and the same with the Saints. If you can upgrade from DA, I would say do it. And I think that that's the way that they'll look at Jameis. If you can upgrade, do it. So people saying that it's a guarantee Jameis is gone, I wouldn't say that. I definitely wouldn't say it's a guarantee he's back. But, I mean, if in D.A.'s mind it's – let's say in D.A.'s mind it's Derek Carr 1, Jimmy Garoppolo 2, Jameis as the fallback 3. Well, if they can't get Garoppolo and they can't get Carr, there you go. So I'm kind of hoping he's out of New Orleans, but, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So so from everything you're saying, you're saying the dough is not shit. On him returning as the Saints quarterback next season. Well, I mean, I've been told for a fact that Jameis still has back, like serious multiple backers in the front office, and that throughout this entire season, there were people in the front office that did not that did not agree at all with how Dennis Allen handled things. That didn't agree with how Dennis handled the injury. That didn't agree with how Dennis lied to the media. That didn't agree with Dennis starting Andy the rest of the way. And so, yet, and still, they bring but, Dennis Allen back. Well, Dennis was promised that he had full roster control over the offense and the defense. So, unlike in Tampa, you know, in some other places where the owner may meddle, it's not Tampa where owner meddles, but GM. Um, but unlike in some places where the owner may meddle or the general manager may meddle, that's not what happens in New Orleans. Dennis was given full authority, and so he had full authority. He may have been getting pushback from some of the brass saying, we want Jameis to start. What are you doing? But he had full authority. They weren't going to force him to do anything. Now, the question becomes, what happens this offseason? Right? I mean, we all know that in a draft, the general manager ultimately yeah. makes the call. And there right. are times when it, when it... Right. Let, let, let me ask you this, though, for, 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 for you go in, before you go into that. Because this, this is you're breaking some some very um, – you break, you're breaking news right now. And – so if the brass had a problem, if some of the brass, I don't know if you can say or not, or if you want to say or not, will some of that brass happen to be the GM? If you can't can't say, I can. I, 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 I don't. Understand. I don't want to put anybody under the bus, I got but you. I will I say you. that it was brass. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. I got you. Now, so they they gave Dennis Allen complete as the head coach. You're supposed to have complete control over the entire team. But as a head coach, you delegate, you let your assistant coaches do what they're paid to do, coach coach their um their various positions. So there was there are rumors going around that 
Dennis Allen kind of had his hands in maybe a little too much on, on the offense of Pete Carmichael. So my my thinking is, and I'm just asking because I, I, you know, maybe you can say it or maybe you can't. Was there like a um, like a uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a tug of war between Carmichael and and Dennis, meaning that there they came a a time when Carmichael wanted to go to go back to Jameis, and it was and uh, Dennis just wanted to stick with Andy. Well, I can absolutely say they both, they tried to turn back to Jameis. They were, they, they offered to bench Andy and start Jameis before Jameis was healthy though. And that's what I'm talking about. Like the whole, the whole narrative that has been put out by the media and it's based on Dennis's own claims. It's all nonsense because Dennis's claims is that Jameis was healthy. Now everybody knows that was a lie. And then right. that we decided to go with Andy as an offensive decision and we just liked what he was doing all year long and we stuck with him. That's also a lie because they did try to turn back to Jameis and bench Andy, but they knew Jameis still wasn't healthy. So it was like a kind of like a fake offer. Like, okay. I mean, you know, imagine you, you got an employee and they're, they're home with COVID and then you, you give them a two week two week off and you come back to them two days later and say, hey, you know, <laughs> you want to come into work today? If you do, we'll, we'll be happy. And they're like, I can't, you know, and right. So, no, Dennis, that, that's what I mean. Like, the the narrative that Dennis believes in Andy or believes in Andy more than Jameis is total nonsense because he started, like, we know he started Jameis with a broken back and ruptured tendon over a perfectly healthy Dalton. He started Jameis a second game, that, that was the first game, actually, with the broken back over a perfectly healthy Dalton. And then he tried to turn back to Jameis again over a perfectly healthy Dalton, but when Jameis was still hurt. And then when Jameis really was healthy enough to play, he didn't turn back to him because the season's over. So the whole thing was is sort of like, I'm trying to save my job. I'm trying to make all these decisions to make me look best. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to say, like, that's not what a coach should do, right? I mean, like, you want to say a coach should always have the best interests of the team at heart, but that's not just, that's just not realistic. Like, these are human beings. They have jobs. They have families. They don't want to get fired. Like, I think it's, sort of obvious that every coach has his interests at heart above his team. Right. Like, so, I mean, maybe there's coaches that don't, maybe, maybe Belichick doesn't cause he's so secure. Maybe Andy Reed doesn't cause he's so secure in his job security, but like Dennis right, Allen's yeah. not that guy. Right. I mean, he could get fired. So he should, he that's why I sort of sympathize with him. I don't sympathize <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, because I do agree when, when he got, when, why put him in that, t everything you say, but nothing, clarifies or uh, nothing is an excuse for them for him as the head coach to put that kid in that Carolina game I don't care what they trying to do for um for Andy Dalton to let him go up against a um a more um a easier defense hell you could have played Taysom Hill at quarterback for that game you didn't have to put Jameis out there then so so to me well, that you, you bring up you bring up a good point with with Taysom because I agree with you both both with um the Panther game, right. Tyson could have handled that. And also with that Browns game, with, with that Browns game, right? Like that, that right. was a, a classic go ahead and start Taysom game. And they turned more to him in the second half. But again, you know, Dennis made it clear in the off season, Taysom's not a quarterback at all. You know, I don't, I don't agree with Sean. Taysom's not a quarterback at all. We're moving him to tight end. And so there's a lot of this. I want to be my own man. I want to make my own legacy. I don't want to be in Sean's shadow thing that I think is playing out. 
a lot of a lot of ego that's involved and just a lot of fear. I, I think Dennis coached scared this year. I think he realized when Jameis broke his back week one, crap, the year's done. How, how, do, how, how do I make this work so I don't get fired? Like, I seriously think that that was his mindset right then. You, you know, he got the he got the report. Jameis has four broken vertebrae in his back. And I think his mind immediately went to, holy crap, how do I save my job? Because this year isn't going to go the way I thought it was. And he put Jameis out versus Tampa in week two, knowing that Jameis wasn't going to be able to play the whole year. T- Tampa had just crushed Dak the week before, right? Held the Cowboys to three points and broke Dak's hand, I think it was. Right. Like, what are you doing putting Jameis with a broken back out against him? But he did, and Jameis himself has said he wanted to. Fine. But then the next week again with the with the ruptured tendon on top of it, like I think DA immediately, right from week one, was into jobs, you know, preserving his job security mode. I don't think it was about winning as many games as possible. No, I think it was about not getting fired. And that's grounds for fire to be fired right there. As a head coach. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to, to me, like – DA's resume is terrible, right? I mean, they have the worst record in their franchise for the last since 2015. Yep. Or actually, I think it's since 2005. It's yeah. in like 17 years. It's their worst record. They had their their first shutout in like 30 333 games. Yeah. You know, they they lost a game when they had like a 99.8% win percentage. I mean, like this was a, a disaster just from a coaching perspective. But then to think that Dennis Allen basically himself ruined Mickey Loomis's two-year plan in the seventh quarter of the season. Because it's not Dennis's fault that Jameis broke his back in week one. That's not Dennis's fault. He should have been placed on IR right then. He should have been given the six to ten weeks to rest. The season still could have been saved. But yeah. Dennis chose him, chose to play him week two, and then he ruptured his tendon, and Dennis chose to play him again on that, and that ruined the season. So yeah. seven quarters into the season, when when Jameis ruptured his tendon, that, that was the season. That was it. And then they put Dalton in and they, they right. dink around and dunk around. And, you know, today Ben Baldwin comes out with his stats on garbage time and it blew my mind. I knew, like I knew Andy was putting up garbage time numbers, but when, even when I, I didn't that, know, yeah, know that. to what extent. And Ben put us up 70.6% of Dalton's EPA earned this year was in garbage time. That's unheard of. What I mean, basically that means Dalton's stats this year, all they're a total joke. They're a joke. And and DA was tricked by them? Like, what? <laughs> man, it's crazy, man. So, now, in which you were saying that, now I got a problem with Mickey Loomis as the GM. Because I'm well, sure they ran everything about him. You the GM. There's no way you don't know what's going on with your starting quarterback. And if you know your head coach is trying to run that kid out there, like like injured, like he is severely injured, not just injured, severely injured and limited. I got a problem with Mickey Loomis for letting yeah, DA mean, do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Mickey, he had a really good two-year plan, and he had promised Dennis that Dennis would have full control over the roster. So, like, I get him not putting his foot down and, and calling the shots. Like, Sean, you know, Sean did the same thing, sort of, that a lot of people in Jameis's camp really don't think was fair is that Sean knew Jameis was the dude in 2021. And yet, rather than give him all preseason reps, all camp reps, and really let him come into the season, you know, at, at his peak, he split he only split the reps throughout all of camp and preseason with Taysom, which was goofy. But Sean had promised Taysom that he would get that shot, and he kept his word. So, like, 
I'm, I'm not going to crush Mickey Loomis for, for keeping his word to Dennis that he'd give him full roster control. But yeah, I mean, now going into the off season, knowing that I am a little disappointed that, that Dennis is retained. Um, and I'm interested to see what sort of compensation they get with Peyton and whether it's more geared around 2023 picks or 2024. Because if I'm Loomis, I don't believe in Dennis Allen. I don't believe he's the long-term answer. And I also don't think, you know, some pick in the 20s or something this year is going to land me a, a, a franchise quarterback. And even if it would, I wouldn't want Dennis Allen to be the coach for that franchise quarterback. So I personally, if I was Mickey Loomis, I would rather have a 2024 first than a 2023. And if Dennis fails this year, throw him out, bring a brand new head coach in and use that pick that you got from Peyton plus your first rounder of your own, trade up and get your guy if Jameis doesn't have a good year, if he's gone and Jimmy Garoppolo fails or Derek Carr fails. But, that I mean, that's that's what I would do. That, that, that's my next question for you. Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo and Jameis Winston, are those two quarterbacks better than Jameis Winston? No, not not close. And the metrics all bear that out. I've actually done a lot of tweeting on Carr and, and Garoppolo. You know, Jimmy... Jimmy made his uh, made his name basically off what he does in RPOs, which is something Jameis has barely never been able to run in his whole career because he's always been in the vertical offense and, and asked to sling, right? Jimmy's made his made his name off what he does in RPOs and in play action. And so I put a tweet out, and this was probably a few months ago, but just comparing Jameis and Jimmy, their entire careers in RPOs and play action, Jameis blows him away. Like, it's not remotely close. Jameis dusts him completely, but Jameis has very rarely been able to throw in play action because they could never run the ball in Tampa from 2016 to 2019. And even in 2021 in, in, in uh, NOLA, they didn't run the ball very effectively. Whereas Jimmy has this dominant run game behind him and RPO is the same thing. Honestly, Jameis is actually even better than Jalen hurts in both of those, which is shocking, right? Cause Jalen hurts is he's like actually legit. Like he he's, he's Jimmy. If Jimmy was good. <laughs> like he's legit and Jameis blows Jalen Hurts away in, so, uh, in you don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback I think he's average I mean like I don't think Ooh. he's bad but he like Jim, Jim okay put it this Jimmy's an extremely marginal talent he doesn't have anywhere remotely close to elite arm talent he doesn't even have plus arm talent he's an extremely marginal talent he's not very athletic he doesn't have a very good arm he, he, he can process relatively okay, but even, even his first read stuff, if you look at metrics between him and Jameis on first read stuff, Jameis bests him. So yeah. Jimmy was drafted into New England. Mm-hmm. You know, he got a few games with Belichick in, in a really good Patriots team. He then went to Kyle Shanahan. Like, Jimmy's never been in a situation where they just handed him the ball and said sling. Like, that's, never, that's never been his thing. And I now if Dennis wants to go run first, I don't know how you're going to do that, really. I mean, the, the team doesn't run that effectively. Kamara's probably going to be suspended 46 games. No, if Dennis wants be, to go run first. And, and, yeah, if, if Dennis wants to go run first and and run a lot of short stuff, I mean, Jimmy can work, sure. Right. Um, but no, I mean, if if you give Jimmy and Jameis a ball and you say go throw 40 times and see what happens, no, I'm taking Jameis 100 percent of the time. Right. But as an overall quarterback, and in, in the you think. Jameis is hated above Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Cole. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a system on earth that Jameis wouldn't be better in than Garoppolo. 
I think Garoppolo in Shanahan's system mm-hmm. can be better than Jameis in, for example, Dirt Cutter system. But I think if you put Jameis and Jimmy both in Shanahan system, Jameis does them. If you put Jameis and Jimmy both in Cutter system, Jameis does them. If you put Jameis and Jimmy in any system together, Jameis does them. Gotcha. Um, and with Derek, with Derek Carr, again, like I, I've done a lot of tweeting on Carr, Jameis has a higher career total QBR. His yards per attempt, yards per completion blows Carr away. Like, in the same way, I'll take Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo any day. Any gotcha, day. gotcha. But gotcha. in the same way, Derek Carr, he, he's a better talent than Garoppolo, but he's, like, his talent, I don't think there's a scout on earth that would say Derek Carr's as talented as Jameis. Like, that's, he's not. I don't think anybody would think that, right? He's, he's simply not. He's healthier. <laughs> he's, right. been, he's been healthier the last few years but he's not as talented. Right. And so to me, you know, to me, if you're a coach, you want the best talents that you can get at every position. And if you're the type of coach that says, I need a quarterback that's less talented to make my system work. Like you got issues. Like what's wrong with you? (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, Jameis, we got our first um, family member coming on to ask his one question. God of creation. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh you you you're live with Jameis one on one. Yo, how you doing? What's up? Man, so uh I guess my first question, my my question would be like you said that you know some of the decisions DA made made sense because he's trying to save his job, right? Don't I feel like regardless of how he did, he would have kept his job. So therefore, I think running Jameis, if he if he had sat Jameis down, uh, week two, he could have probably came back mid season, maybe around. Uh, let me see. He could have came back like maybe towards the end of October, maybe mid-October. I like I, I feel like there there's a it, it would have made more sense for him to sit Jameis. Who cares about Jameis's ego? Like Jameis, like like Dahl said, you gotta save players from themselves. You you can't be like, oh man, you gotta be a captain. And that's what he wasn't. He he needed to be like, no, nah, man, we, we need you for the long term. Go ahead, sit out this week two. Take your, you know, six, seven, eight weeks where, you know, to heal up. And then we continue on from there. And we easily, probably win the division if he just made that simple decision to sit him week two. But he didn't. I mean, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't know if you have a question, but yeah, I, I agree with that. My question is, you, you were, I, what I was trying to say is, how can you justify everything he did when he just could have simply just set him out week two? You said it all made sense for him to keep keep Jameis on the sideline because by the time Jameis was actually healthy, Andy rolled in oh you know Andy you know the the season was already over so he might as well keep Andy in 
I, I feel like there's a lot of things that that like you said he did a lot of things to keep his job, which I, I don't I don't see like how you like I don't see how you come up with that when he when the simple thing for him to save his job would have just been send Jameis Week too. Right, but he didn't do that. That that's my point. Had had he had he made the right decision and put Jameis on IR after week one, everything could have been different. But he didn't. And what I'm saying is after Jameis ruptured his tendon, mm-hmm. this this is that's an actually you know, it doesn't sound as bad. That's a longer recovery process than the back. Right. So a lot of people don't understand that or the, or they don't realize that. So when DA made the you know bad decision to start Jameis versus Tampa, and then he ruptured his tendon in the third quarter, at that point, Jameis is done. Like he's done. He he's not coming back until after the bye versus the Falcons. Any like that's like the early, that's when he's coming back. He's done. So at that point, the season's done. Like unless Dalton does really good, and how how do you make it so that Dalton does really good? You give him some easy games first. Like you see this all the time with coaches, especially with with rookies, right? You'll see them, and fans will be screaming for a rookie to start. Like for example, Pickett with with Trubisky or stuff stuff like that. They'll be screaming for a rookie to start, and mm-hmm. you'll see coaches hold and hold and hold and hold, and they'll wait for a good game. They'll wait till they can give their quarterback a game where he'll look good in. And that's what I'm saying is, Da, yeah, he should have put Jameis on IR after week one. He should have put Jameis on IR after week two because he knew then it's done. He's got a broken back and a ruptured tendon. But what did DA actually do? He did something to save himself, to make himself look better. He gave Jameis the difficult game versus Carolina, knowing he can't play the whole year. And he gave Andy an easier game and a slate of games against terrible defenses. Terrible. Okay. Is that, that that was your question, um, Gordy Creation? Yeah, because uh, yeah, that that was all because I was just wondering. It's like, you okay. know, I he he just had one, you know, it, it it seemed like it was just an easy job. Rest him week two, and we're fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, right. they, I mean, this, the I, coaches don't care I about agree. the players; they care about themselves. I mean, you could look at the situation with Tua in Miami. The kid had a concussion. They still trying to put the kid out there. Then they were lying about. It wasn't a concussion. They, they called it another injury. So, I mean, coaches always looking to save themselves. And I think um, James one-on-one stated that it's more about them, their security than most of the time than the player. Right. And I get that. I was just, I was just saying, like, you kind of secure your – as a coach, you also secure yourself with resting James week two. I, I feel like, yeah, I'll, like, Obviously, he's going to make the, you know, decision that saves his job. But having your main guy who was clearly better than your backup also saves your job, if not secures your job. All right. Okay. Well, so I'll, I'll say one, one other thing that I didn't mention earlier, um, and I think everybody will kind of get this because they're real Saints fans. Had that week two game not been against Tampa, and the week three game not been against Carolina, had those been, say, Seattle and the Raiders or the Cardinals or, you know, Vikings, mm-hmm. I think D.A. may have made a different decision. Those mm-hmm. were division games. And D.A. Yeah. really thought, let's get – we need our best quarterback, Jameis, 
let's get him hopefully even with a broken back he can win us this tampa game and then the next week hopefully even with a broken back and a ruptured tendon he can get this carolina game and then we'll hand it over to andy for the easy slate of non-division opponents so and that goes to just more proof that the narrative da then spun later that oh Jameis is healthy we're just going with andy and we really like what andy's doing was all nonsense because D.A. really did think that Jameis with a broken back and ruptured tendon gave him a better chance to win than 100% healthy Dalton. Like, the, right. the, the media never really pinned D.A. down on that, and mm-hmm. but they could have. <laughs> they could have. Yeah. Like, I could, I could ask D.A. a series of, you know, three to five questions that would probably have him swearing and running off the podium. Like, and the, the media never did that to him. <laughs> right. All right. Demetrius, you up, my brother? How y'all doing today? How you doing? Okay. Uh, Mr. Jameis, I have a two-part question. When 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 Jameis did the interview with Underhill and Mike Triplett, did did that cause a fraction in a relationship with him and DA? And would Jameis even consider coming back to New Orleans? Because I wouldn't come back if I were him, but would he even consider it? Or do you have any idea of, of what his mind frame would be going into next year? I mean, I definitely can't speak for D.A. as as far as his mindset now. Um, Jameis is a weird dude. Like, he's extremely loyal. Like, and I've said this many times about him going back to Tampa. He's loyal to a fault. Like, what he allowed Tampa to do to him is weird. Like, I I wouldn't have done it. (laughs) And, I mean, like, I'm an Orthodox Christian theologian, and I love everybody, and I, I hope God's will is done everybody's life. I would have been furious. Like I would not have let Tampa treat me that way. Like he took bullets for the GM and the organization there that he just never, like he didn't have to do that. And then he let them just string him along in, in 2020 free agency and mess with him and, you know, didn't entertain offers and stuff. And like, he's really loyal. So if I had to guess like, okay. So for example, I don't know how many people know this, but Troy Aikman was going to demand a trade from the Cowboys. Troy Aikman got hurt. I believe this was 91, the 91 season. He got hurt, and Jimmy Johnson went to Steve Burloin, his backup. Troy then got fully healthy and wanted to play, and Jimmy Johnson said, no, I'm sticking with Steve Burloin. Like, that's insane, but that, that was the decision. They even made the playoffs that year with Burloin, and Troy said, I want to play the playoff game. And Jimmy Johnson said, no, we're sticking with Steve Burloin. And, of course, they got knocked out. So... Aikman was going to demand a trade, and Aikman has talked about this. He was going to demand a trade, and he went into Jimmy Johnson's office with the, you know, with the desire to demand a trade. And Jimmy told him, basically, my fault. You're my guy. We're, we're rolling forward with you. So, for all I know, you know, Da could do that, or, or again, like Da could have Car one, Garoppolo two, Jameis three, and not not be able to get the first two, and he could say, my bad, Jameis. We're rolling with you, because. One thing I'll say about Jameis is, like, I've never really met anybody that played with him, never even heard of anybody that has played with him or coached him that doesn't love the kid. Like, he's just he's just got that type of personality. Like, all the players ride with him. All the coaches love him. Arians, you know, was furious when he found out Jameis got hurt. You know, Arians now, three years later, is is talking up Jameis and, and giving an interview saying how it was only Brady that they would have moved off. Like, people love Jameis. So if Dennis Allen has a problem with Jameis, I, I'd ask Dennis Allen to look into his soul and see what's wrong with him. Because Jameis is just a good dude. Right? So, and then as far as Jameis is concerned, like I said, he, he's kind of weird. And um, as far as being loyal, 
and also with money. Like, I mean, he turned down more money in 2020 to sign with the Saints on basically the league minimum. He turned down more money the next year to re-sign with the Saints. So, I don't know. I, 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 would, I definitely wouldn't say that Jameis just would refuse. I mean, I don't think there's a, there's a fracture with the front office. Um, you know, I think that DA did some things that, you know, Jameis's team wishes wouldn't have been done. Um, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, it, you know, it happens and I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's impossible to see Jameis back as QB one next year. Okay. Um, but I also don't think it's impossible that, that he's not. So. not. All right. So let, let me ask you this. Let's say Jameis does leave. What is the percentage you, you will give Jameis going back to Tampa Bay, re-signing with Tampa? Cause I've been hearing uh, noise about that possibly being an option. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are the leaders on offense, and I think both would push heavily for Jameis. Like, if if Brady isn't back, if Brady leaves, I think both of those guys would push heavily get Jameis back. Arians still ex- – like, so I, I talked with some people inside the Bucks organization. I heard from them, and um, Bruce doesn't have the influence, I guess, that I was sort of led to believe he does, but because Bruce didn't want Byron fired from what I understand. Uh, and he was, so I don't know whether that was a, like, I, I have no connections whatsoever to Brady. So I don't know whether that was a Brady power play. I don't know whether that was simply, um, sort of a mutual decision. I don't know what that was, but so I would say that, you know, had Byron been retained and Clyde Christensen not retired, cause both those guys love Jameis. Had they both stayed in Tampa, I would say Jameis back to the bucks makes a ton of sense. With them gone. Like I still think Chris and Mike would, would push heavily to, to bring Jameis back. Um, and I think Arians in the front office would push heavily to bring Jameis back. Like they're, you know, they might prefer Brady, uh, but if Brady's gone, I don't know that they prefer, you know, somebody else. Okay. I, yeah. I don't think they're going to prefer Wentz or Mayfield or Darnold or any of these guys. <laughs> um, okay. And, and then the other thing is, you know, Todd Munkin has been rumored to take right. Yeah. I saw that. Todd Munkin and Jameis lit it up in 2017 and 2018. Right. Like Jameis only got to play 11 full games in 2017 because he ripped his throwing shoulder. He led the NFL in 300-yard games that year, even though he missed five. Like, he didn't get to play in five full games. And he still led the NFL in 300-yard games. Had he played that full year, he would have he easily won the passing crown. The next year in 2018, he was top five in raw QBR. which wow. And their team was terrible. Like, it's almost impossible to find a guy that's top five in raw QBR on a losing team. There's only been two quarterbacks since Jameis entered the league that have finished the season top five in Rock QBR on a losing team. Those two quarterbacks are Jameis and Drew Brees. That's it. Nobody wow. else. So Todd Todd Munkin and Jameis Winston, I mean, they've got history together and they've lit it up together. So if they if if Tampa gets Munkin, uh, I think it's it's very possible. If they get you know, I just don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, if they go Greg Roman and they try to go run first, who knows? Maybe they'll go Garoppolo. I don't know. Right, right, right. We got another uh, family member, a.k.a. the scientist. You're live with Jameis 101. A.k.a., you, you hear us? All right, he'll come back when you're ready. All right, let's move on then. So with that, let's um, let's transition right quick to uh, a.k.a. is ready. He comes back in. Let's talk a little NBA. So tonight, 
The Pelicans go down 123 to 110. Now, this is a horrible loss. Um, tonight's loss to the Orlando Magic, 123 to 110. I didn't see the game, but I was following it. And um, I know the Pelicans blew a third. They went into the fourth, uh, I believe, up by three and um, just felt the port down the stretch. And uh, the Magic get the win, 123 to 110. The Pelicans are now 26 and 20. Orlando improves to 17 and 28. Another final. It was the Atlanta Hawks defeating the New York Knicks 139 to 124. The Knicks were led by Julius Randle with 32. He also led him with rebounds with nine, and Jalen Brunson had nine assists. Okay, AKA, you're back. Let's see. AKA, you back? Can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. You're live with Jameis 101. Hey, how you doing, Jameis 101? How you doing? Yes. Okay, let me close this other uh, window uh, of the. Uh, Stream, I got up real quick. I'm so sorry about that, y'all. I got a new phone and it's kind of giving me problems. I'm sorry about that. No problem. All right, so Jameis 101. I, I really was a big fan of Jameis Winston, and you know, I was really high on him, but I, I know what you're saying. He he got the most highest QBR rating and in, in, in uh as a losing team, but I think that has a lot to do with him the the coverage lightening up in garbage time because that's kind of what it seemed like versus Atlanta that when they started playing more of a prevent type defense, he was able to open up the passing game. So what do you, how do you much do you think does, does the, does the, like a prevent type defense come into effect with his numbers as a lose on a losing team? Well, the, the year that I was bringing up uh, was back in Tampa. Um, and I've tweeted right. out garbage time stats and it shows Jameis was nowhere near the top of the league in garbage time stats. Dak was actually higher that year uh, than Jameis. And nobody thought of Dak as a garbage time guy. So it's a it's a, a misconception to talk about garbage time with Jameis. And when you pull up the data, it shows that Jameis's teams were never really blown out in Tampa. There's a few games, but Brady had a, a bigger problem scoring in Tampa and getting down than Jameis. Like Jameis's teams were always in it and they were never out of it. <laughs> um, and some of the games, you know, that he he even started with a with a pick six and whatnot or whatever. I mean, like he comes back. Um, so just again, like the guy, like I've tweeted them out before. I don't have them in front of me right now, but I've tweeted out many of the garbage time stats and they don't show Jameis anywhere near the top. Um, as far as this year versus Atlanta, I mean, however, you, well, like whatever way you want to slice it, he pulled off the biggest fourth quarter comeback in Saints history, something even Drew never did. And he finished that game with a 111 passer rating, which is elite. And that's the only healthy start we saw him in all year. Like he, he got one healthy start, he won it, and he had 111 passer rating. Like, I mean, like, we, we can talk about, you know, how it all transpired, but, like, that's the facts. He was undefeated, and he had 111 pass rating. And then if you look at if you look at the year before, right, he was 5-2. and two. He was number two in the NFL to the MVP in EPA. Number two to the NFL MVP in adjusted EPA, right? So when you look at just his, his healthy starts, he's 6-2 and two with elite metrics. Like, so, yep. you know, what I've, what I've tweeted to like Underhill and Triplett and for example, like when they talk about quarterback, and I love both those guys, um, just so nobody gets that twisted. But when they talk about like, you know, what do we do for quarterback? And I said, just can anybody name a gettable quarterback, right? A free agent quarterback, a gettable quarterback that 
has a 750 win percentage or anywhere near that in his healthy games in the last two years with elite metrics, let alone one that's 29 years old and is considered an elite arm talent. Like that dude doesn't exist unless his name is James Winston. So if you want, if you want to go get Carr, go for it. Like I, I would say, trading for Carr would be stupid. Like don't trade for him. Like if he's cut, that that's one thing. But trading for Carr when you just have Jameis on a one year, whatever it is, fifteen point eight or fifteen point six million dollar deal, like that's nuts. Derek Carr is probably going to want thirty million, and he's not as talented as Jameis. Like you've got Jameis for one year at fifteen point six. To me, the obvious path forward would be to trade Sean for as many 2024 picks as you can get. Not picks this year. Because if I'm Loomis, I just don't trust Dennis Allen. And and maybe I don't maybe I don't trust Jameis's injury history. Right? If I'm Loomis, I'm playing my cards safe. And so I'm trading Sean Payton for the the most 2024 picks I can get. I'm telling Dennis, I'm tired of your idiocy. How you handled Jameis? You got one year together. I'm not, I'm not trading for Carr. I'm not giving Jimmy G $30 million. I've got Jameis on a one-year $15.6 million deal. You got a year yeah. to make it work. If you don't make it work, you're gone. And I'm using the picks I got from Sean, and I'm using my own pick, and I'm letting Jameis go, and I'm moving up, and I'm drafting the best quarterback available. Like, that honestly well, would be my play. Excuse me, Mr. 101. I do have another question, though, because uh, i seen you making the point about how uh, Dennis Allen was trying to force, seems like he's trying to force Jameis to play. But I remember Jameis in the interview where he was talking about his soul was hurt that he was apologizing for, I think, starting in at least the Panthers game because he said that he should have sat it down. How much of, how much responsibility would you give Jameis Winston for uh, forcing his way into the starting lineup, you know, so to speak, in some of these games where he knew he was injured? Well, it was the Tampa game, but yeah, I mean, like I've already talked about that earlier. I mean, you can say it's 50-50 on that, but who's the captain of the ship? Because it's not the quarterback, and it's not Pete. Well, it's not Ryan when, when Sean Payton was here, it was DA. a duo. Drew Brees and Sean Payton was like a duo where they worked together. So I'm pretty sure Dennis yeah, Allen leaned a lot upon Jameis's insight as to what to do. Well, I, I honestly don't don't believe that that Sean and Drew made decisions. To, Sean ran the ship. Even Sean ran the ship over Mickey. Like I've I've been told that directly that Mickey did not interfere with Sean at all. And, and we're talking for over a decade. The like Sean was the cap, yeah. Sean was the captain of the ship. And and then when you say that you know even if Sean and and Drew made decisions together like. Sean and Drew isn't D.A. and Jameis. Like, Sean and Drew had a decade plus together. D.A. and Jameis, this is their first year together, and D.A. came into the season as an 8-28 and 28 joke of a head coach. But you said, right? so like, you said I mean, it was a 50-50, 50-50, right? So you can't just sit there I, and I said if I had to, I, I said if I had to assign, like, blame on why who, who played the Tampa game, yeah, I mean, Jameis already admitted he really wanted to play. And so he took responsibility. I still think that, yeah, the coach is the coach. Like, if my little kid wants to go play in the street, like, and I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm like, come on, the coach is the coach. Is That's the not coach a good the comparison, though, as a little kid. Jarvis is your starting quarterback. Of course, you got to, you're going to, I would ride with my quarterback if you say he could play. No, Even though my, I do understand no, what you're saying. No, with, no. With four was, broken vertebrae? Like, I think it's weak. insane. Yeah, that was a weak decision by Dennis Allen. 
That was a weak decision. So he should have went with Andy. Yeah, he should have went. He should have went with Andy. Yo, the man, have you even sprung your back before? So think about. Now, I'm not talking about the injury, but I know Jameis. I can see Jameis trying to get his way out I, to that field. I don't man. Listen, I'm the head coach, Jameis. I'm the head coach. I got an eight and what twenty eight record as a head coach or whatever. My starting quarterback, who the whole season is riding on, just got hurt in the first game. He was able to finish it. I got. I bought Andy Dalton in. A, 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 a proven veteran and leader just for this kind of situation. I would have – D.A. should have set Jameis down week two. I know you want to play against Tampa, but you're not healthy enough. You do not give us our best chance to win. He, they should have went out there with Andy Dalton from week two until Jameis Winston was healthy enough to go back out there on the field. So I, I understand what Jameis one-on-one is saying is true. It's 50-50. Jameis forced his way to go out there, but as the leader, Dennis Allen should not have allowed him to go out there. So as the, a leader, it's on the leadership, right? Yeah, your head coach. Okay. It's on, it's on your head coach. And, you, and also, let me just ask you a question real quick. So what do you make of the fact then that Dennis Allen believes Jameis with a broke back and ruptured tendon gives us a better chance to win than a 100% healthy Andy Dalton. And then later on during the year, now, nah, man, we, we, we rolling with Dalton. He's, he did nothing but put up garbage time stats. He did nothing but beat trash teams. And the two of the wins were on the back of Taysom going nuts. I want like, no trash teams. We beat good teams. We're good team. When? The Eagles? Seattle. I'm trying to find out. Seattle was terrible when you guys beat them. Terrible. They were on pace to have the worst defense. But they wasn't the horrible though. They're not football. horrible though. Their defense was on pace to have the worst defense in the history of football when when the Saints beat them. All in and all, they made the playoffs though. So they that's ran still like a playoff crazy team we beat. That's still a playoff team we beat though. You saying at the time we played them? That's what he's saying. What about Cincinnati? Right. And I'm, and I'm we, also we put talking up about points on Cincinnati. Who put up points? Andy Dalton? Rashid Shaheed. <laughs> Rashid Shaheed. Oh, you lost me. You lost. So, so you you were saying Rashid Shaheed? So, I mean, of course, it's a team game, uh -huh. but he was starting those games. Though we put up points on good teams, it wasn't. I'm just trying to say it wasn't horrible teams that we was playing. We was playing playoff teams, and we we put we put up a fight first playoff teams with Andy Dalton starting. The last eight games of the season. We the beat last, the number one seed listen, NFC. The last eight games of the season. Without how many, quarterback. How many points did the Saints average the last eight games of the season? Well, about 19. How many did the defense give up a game the last eight games of the season? Uh, about 21. Now, the defense ended up 19. The offense was averaging 13. And they couldn't. Yeah, the, la the, last six, the last six games of the season, I think the Saints averaged 12.3 points a game. 12.3. And – Honestly, like this whole this whole discussion, and, I, and I've had it with media in 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 New Orleans, is that the Dennis Allen proved me right the final game of the year. <laughs> like, like he absolutely proved everything I had been saying all year long was right about the motivations and <laughs> all of it because they were eliminated. They had nothing to play for. Your only quarterback under contract going into next year is Jameis. 
Loomis built the offense for Jameis. Their their whole offense is geared around the receiving threats. They're all vertical. Olave's a vertical threat. Shahid's a vertical threat. Juwan's a vertical threat. That offense is built for an elite arm talent quarterback. And that last game of the year, with nothing on the line, nothing to play for, he still didn't start Jameis. Why? Had Jameis played well in that game, what's the narrative? Dennis, you moron, why didn't you start him against San Francisco and Tampa when we could have saved our season? Yep, that's so the, the narrative. Old, yep. Yeah. Right. And so so it literally it literally was better for Dennis's job security to lose with Andy that final game than to win with Jameis. You're missing the playoffs either way. But only Her one of questions. those situations, only one of those situations do you look like an idiot for not starting Jameis earlier. <laughs> right. Well, I got a question though. So you, you said the narrative if he if if he would have stuck Jameson last last week against um or last week against the Panthers, Jameis would have won. It'd have made him look like an idiot. Um well was he even healthy around the f- time we played the 49ers? He wanted to play the 49er game. He wanted to play the Bucks game. Yeah. Now, well, was, was he, a, he wanted was to he play every game. No. He wanted to was play every game. No. Right. But was he 100%? No. But, like, yeah, I mean, Jameis, yes, Jameis would go out there and play on one leg. Jameis would go out there and play blind. He did it in Tampa for four years, right? Like, that's who Jameis is. But right. he, what I'm saying is he literally felt like he was absolutely healthy enough to give them the best chance to win against the Niners and the Bucks. I mean, and with the those, narrative. Those two games were blown. Like, the, the Niners, they didn't score a single point, and they held them to 13. That game was yep. so winnable. And the very next week, they had one of the biggest collapses in the last, what, 531 games in the NFL. They're one of only, like, four teams to lose in that situation. And that was the season. I mean, do you think it would have been – okay, so the narrative of him now, do you think it would have been that much worse if he would have just simply just started Jameis, like, you know, during the 49ers week or the last week of the season? I don't think it would have been any like significant difference if he would like people already he already has a bad rap with most of the fan base in New Orleans. So I don't uh, to me I feel like there was there was no it, it wasn't a big enough uh, uh, it wasn't a big enough reason to be like well, you know, I'm just going to hold Jameis because I don't want to look like an idiot. Well, you've been looking like an idiot for the last like seventeen weeks, like the, I, like I, there was a lot of his decisions <coughs> was weren't good. And then, like you, like you even mentioned, we didn't the games we won were either off of Taysom Hill's back, or we just played against bad teams. Or if we did play a good team, they were bad at the time, such as um, uh, the 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 Seahawks. They weren't good when we played them. If we had played them towards the end of the season, we would have probably lost that game. Nah, so they were better of, during the beginning uh, of the year. Uh, they were the better Seahawks, during the beginning of the year. I think, I think they was coming in there on the winning streak. Yeah, the Seahawks were good. They were good when we played them. Yes, they were good. As far as offensively, they were good, but the defense was worse. They had Rashad Penny. Kenneth Walker didn't start until after he played us. 
So no, he yes, didn't. He's, oh, yeah, yeah, Canada. you're right. But he also murdered us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he came he in. And, the and, but the defense was better, though, with, with, after they played us. It wasn't it, their defense wasn't good when they played played us, it, it, but my thing is not even on that. It was just like there, I don't see no like way he could justify and be like, oh, this puts my career or job at a damper compared to oh well, I'm gonna just start Andy the whole time. Everybody can be mad at me. The whole fan base can be mad at me. Uh, everybody's calling for my job. And I feel like that's the smartest decision instead of just simply, oh, well, hey, last game of the season. All right, go ahead, James. Do your thing. All yeah, right. So, 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 wait. So, oh, so are you saying that – so, are you saying that had he played Jameis that last game of the year and Jameis balled out and they won, mm-hmm. that, that that would have been better for him? Because all they needed was one more victory. All they needed was one more victory and they could have won the division. And so, had Jameis balled out and won – the front office people that were already upset with Dennis and that had pushed for Jameis to start earlier for them, it's going to be, why didn't you start Jameis versus Tampa? Why didn't you start him versus the Niners? We could have made the playoffs. Who specifically do you mean? With, front? Are you talking about Mickey? No, I do oh, okay, have okay. somebody that talks directly. Oh, to okay. Ne- well, ne- well, in that case, it, it are are they important enough to be like, hey man, we need to switch this and like if the front office had a problem with it, uh, they need to do something about it. it you, you can't just sit back and just just let him. We had we what we we went eight and nine. We we were we were literally a game off from winning the division. There was there was there was little things they could have changed through any one of those weeks, anytime. And we probably win the win the division, but since they kept with Andy, it literally took us off the playoffs. So that's why I say, yeah, yeah. Uh, Avi, we all agree that he made a mistake not putting Jameis on IR week two. Uh, later on, he still continues uh, playing uh, Andy like week week eight, week nine, week ten, week thirteen. You know, and it's like during the 49ers kind of week around that time frame. Okay, if he's not 100 percent healthy, you are you like you said, he already proved to us that he thinks a broken back Jameis with fractured vertebrae is a better QB than 100 percent Andy Dalton. So that if if he if he was so worried about his job or even gave a dang about the team, he would have simply just went with the guy he trusted before. So uh, there were he lot he made a lot of idiotic moves, and I'm saying that he could have just made one simple move at any time and started James at any given time after like the eight week period, and it would have changed the outcome of our season. I think yeah, I think I, I we agree. all missing the we all missing the big picture to me. My the big picture is to me the front office failed the failed failed this fan base, they failed the team. Yep. That that that's what I get out of it. And forget the the front office failed this team. I don't give a damn what you promised Dennis <laughs> Allen about having control. You see that this man has lost control. 
You you see he's out of control. He, he has no plan. You know this man, he, he's worrying about his job. You have built, as James 101 has said, you built as the GM and management of this team, you built this roster for Jameis Winston. You had a two-year plan to see if Jameis was that that quarterback, if he was that guy to take you into the future. Okay, he gets injured. He gets put out. Why? Because the coach unceremoniously puts him back in with a broke back and a messed up foot, not only in week two, but also comes back and puts him in against Carolina, a tough defense, in week three. I don't care if it was a division game and you're trying to win a division game. Put Taysom Hill in. That's what you got Andy Dalton for. So, so from what James one on one, from what you just listening to you, the front office, if they had a problem with how Dennis Allen was doing things, and they sat back and they just watched, then on top of that, they come back this week and double down and bring him back. I got a problem with the front office. So that's why we're saying now, don't buy no more of their damn merchandise. Don't buy no more tickets until they get serious about winning. Because what this man is just informing us about, if somebody in front, if the front office had a problem with it, do something about it. You Thanks. know this man is not the man. And you double down and you bring him back. James, I'm sorry, man, hey, but that hey, just, that just, that just oh. got... How, how do we know if a man with four vertebrae, fractured vertebrae, is is going to be healthy within the re, within that time period though that they say? Well, it's not about that though. That's not, not what he's saying. That's not what I'm saying about him being. He was I'm, the man is hurt. Right. I don't know when he would. Everybody's body's different. I don't know when James. James probably. Let, let's say he'd have been healthy enough to go out there and play a a good foot a good football game. Um, the last week against Carolina. If so be it, so be it. But mm-hmm. you have to, as a coach, during the season, you have to make decisions. You have to adjust. When you knew this this kid was hurt beyond beyond him being able to come back in four, five weeks, six weeks, or whatever, my thing is, if he was, he was that hurt, why not put him on injury reserve for the six weeks? Yeah. Put him on that. Put him on the injury reserve for Good six point. weeks. Good just point. let just let him rehab. Why the hell you had him have him fly all the way across seas to yeah. England? Yeah. I'm sure that uh, James one on one. Maybe you can confirm it. I'm sure that's not good for your back and your. Nah, James talked about it. He said it was flying across flying across bad. seas. Yeah. to do that. So I got a problem with the front office. Thanks. And then they come back and they double down this week. First of all. Um, Mickey Loomis said, well, we're we, we going to take a week to uh, evaluate. The season been over. To so let the emotions go down. To <laughs> let the emotions go down. Then you come back before the week up and you say Dennis Allen's coming back. And then just yesterday, the bombshell is dropped. Oh, th- this is my question for you, James. Did James, does James like the offense that Pete Carmichael had set up for him to run? <clears throat> from from what I understand, um, and this goes even back to Tampa, is that Jameis would love 
to be in a run first offense that Jameis would love to be in a balanced efficient offense but that since 2016 till now in 2023 every quarterback that Jameis has had has wanted him to just sling it and has wanted the offense to run through him like there's a there's a stat called the OSM which is offensive share metric and I, I would tweet this out year after year um, and it relates to how much production from the offense comes to your arm as related to how much is coming from like yards after the catch from your receivers. And like Jameis, this is in Tampa, Jameis blew Patrick Mahomes away in that stat because it was so Jameis dependent. It was so Jameis's arm centric. Whereas Mahomes, there's a ton of, uh, of yak involved in that offense. And I think, I think everybody in Jameis's team was really disappointed to see that even after Jameis broke his back and even after he ruptured his tendon, if you watch that Carolina game, it was still all on Jameis. They didn't, they couldn't run the ball. They didn't run the ball. Jameis put up what? 351 yards passing that game. It was Jameis has a broke back and, and a ruptured tendon and it's still all on Jameis's arm. Well, and then when Andy avoiding Camara, yeah, well, and then when it, it, Alvin was actually terrible in the beginning of the year, I tweeted that. Yeah, man, just talking well, about oh that. Article, they said he wasn't yeah. targeting Camara. How many times we seen him turn around like seven yards deep, and and we still looking downfield? Well, they're top down reads. Then that's what right. I'm talking about. For it's a top Jameis, down read, of course, right? Right for Jameis, they're they're, they're top down reads, and so, um, and then and then when Andy comes in there, they just move over to a run centric offense, and at one point. I think Dalton had a game this year where 37% of the plays or something were for him, meaning that 63% were handoffs to running backs or Taysom doing something out of the shotgun, et cetera. With Jameis, it was over 70%. It's, it's nuts. And so hey, well, well, even Taysom with, even with the running back. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let him finish. Yeah. Let him finish. And so, and so, and so even with the broke back and even with the rupture tendon against the Panthers, it's still all on Jameis. And then Andy comes in against a, a slate, a, a, you know, a whole slew of bad defenses. And whatever is said about Seattle, Seattle's defense was on pace to be the worst defense in the history of football when the Saints played them. And Andy's given a run first offense. Everything changed. And, Andy, you know, Andy gets to game manage and they bring in Taysom. Jameis would love to do that. Jameis would love to be in a balanced offense. But every coach he's ever been with since 2016 has just sling it, sling it, sling it. Don't worry about the run game. You don't need one. Sling it. And it, it yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, Why do you I think, think that is? I think Jameis, I think Jameis, you know, if it if it happens next year, right, and he's got Olave and Shahid on the outside, Jawan down the seam, and they do use Taysom. Like Taysom and Jameis has never been used very well together. Part of that is they Taysom was banged Atlanta. up when Jameis wasn't. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it worked in the first half. And you know, part of that is Taysom's, Taysom's been been banged up when Jameis wasn't. Jameis has been banged up when Taysom wasn't. But that's I would true. love to see Jameis in a balanced offense. I mean, I've always loved wanted to see Jameis in a Shanahan offense, but that's probably not going to happen. But I would love to see Jameis in a balanced offense. And so, to the question, why do I think that is? It's because coaches fall in love with his arm talent, and it's hard not to. I mean, even Bobby Haber, Haber, who th- who people think is sort of a Jameis basher. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've heard a lot. Bobby Hebert fell in love with it. He's, he's raving that after one of the practices. Oh, I was talking to Sean in the turkey hole, baby, in the turkey hole. Jameis' arm talent is ridiculous. Yep. They it's fall ridiculous. in love with him. Yeah. They do. They, 
they do. And and so Jameis, yep, in a way, right. he's he's like he's got like you know he's being cursed because of his talent. You know, every Stretch coach sees that arm. Short. Yep. The so what? Yeah, yep. the one coach, the one coach that didn't just go crazy Sean. and fall in love with it was Sean Payton. Yep. Jameis yep. That's why he was six and two. Had, Yeah, and Jameis put up elite efficiency metrics because Sean, you know, and Sean told Jameis in advance from what I've heard, Bruce Arians is an idiot. No risk it, no biscuit. It's stupid. We're not going to do that. Like, Sean knew what he was doing. <laughs> right, right. All right, family, we're going to transition back to the NBA, check on some final scores. You had the Clippers winning 131 to 126 over the Spurs. The Mavericks defeat the Heat 115 to 90. The Warriors defeat the Cavaliers 120 to 114. Right now in the full period, it's Brooklyn 96, Utah 92. In the second period, it's Memphis 43, the Lakers 42. Also in the second, OKC 58 and the Sacramento Kings 52. Taking a look at the standings in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, who own the best record in the NBA, are first in the East with 34 and 12 record, followed by the Milwaukee Bucks, 29 and 16, Philly's third, 29 and 16, Brooklyn coming in number four at 27 and 17. A drastic change from how they started the season. The Young Cavs, talented team, is 28 and 19, and right now the Heat are holding the last. Um, Guaranteed playoff spot at 25 and 22 in the East. So, James, one-on-one, um, NBA-wise, who, who are your right now, who are your top four teams for the East, for the top four teams for the conference finals in both conferences right now? Oh, in the East, give me uh, Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, Giannis <laughs> is my dude. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and um, – if if both teams are fully healthy, uh, I I would take the Bucks. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Boston. I know Boston's super good. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. If if Milwaukee's fully healthy, I I think if Milwaukee was fully healthy last year, they would have won the title. It was yeah, I agree with Golden that. Yeah. I mean, Giannis basically owns Golden State, so um, I think that would have happened. The West is interesting. The West is wide open. I mean, yeah. even a team way down like the Lakers, if they if they end up making a trade with Westbrook or something, I don't know. Um, but I know Denver is like – I think Denver is number one right now, aren't they? Yeah, 32 and, and 13. And I, yeah, the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, like second. the West – yeah, the West The West seems kind of like inverted this year. They got like Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento uh, <laughs> all at the top. And then, yeah. and then you've got – you know the the Suns. I I don't. I think the Suns are outside the top ten now. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just looking at the standings, I just pulled them up now. Uh, yeah, I mean, Denver and Memphis are quite a ways ahead of everybody. Um, and the Kinda Joker, I love the Joker. He, he Joker's orthodox like me. So the last the last four NBA MVPs have all been orthodox Christians, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think out of out of that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's honestly Wait, who's hard. who's the like, other Orthodox Christian? Giannis. Giannis and the Joker. Oh, Giannis. And they're the, they're the last four four MVPs. So, like, in America, I think, like, 0.8% of the population is Orthodox Christian. But the last four NBA MVPs are. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. That's very cool. Hey, Mr. Jameis, though, I want um, to say just one thing before I got out. I really appreciate you coming through the show. It was a pleasure speaking with you, sir. I'm a big fan of your content, and I love your insight on the situation. And – not just the Jameis situation, but uh, 
just football period. I just love how you approach it, the 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 your attention to detail and just what you look at. Everything is just I really enjoy your insight, sir. So thank you for talking with us. I'm about to get out of here, but thank you, sir. All right, AK. Thank you, thank you, you my brother. Have a good Thanks. night. See Who that? Who that? Who that? All right. Now let let's go. Let's get on to tomorrow's games. This weekend's game. Let's talk, let's talk some football. No, no, we really talk. Talk the real sport, man. All right. All right, James. So let's get first game up. Jack, does Jacksonville have a, a chance to go in to Arrowhead and defeat the Chiefs, in your opinion? I, I don't see it. I mean, I would love it. Uh, like Trevor Lawrence, is that, that's my guy. I, I've been following him since high school. Love that kid. I'd love to see it. Um, and I say that as somebody that's actually even heavily invested in uh, Patrick Mahomes sports cards. <laughs> but like, like I believe in Mahomes, um, but I've always called him a silver spoon quarterback. You know, I, I think he's a media darling. That's always gotten a little bit more credit than he deserves, but he's, he's magnificent. He's fantastic. And I think Kansas city wins. I think, wins. I think Mahomes, <clears throat> you know, outplays. I think Mahomes outplays Lawrence. I think Kansas city stomps him. But if, if Jacksonville does it, I'll, I'll be thrilled. It'll be cool. All right. And offensively ranking, the Chiefs have the number one ranked offense. The Jaguars have the number nine ranked uh, offense. Uh, the Chiefs come will go into the game with the 12th ranked defense. The Jags 24 in passing, the number one passing offense. Of course, it's the Chiefs. But the number 10 passing offense is the Young Jags. And the Jags have the, the better rushing game. I think it could come down to turnovers, and if and if the Jags are able to run the ball and use play action pass and keep Mahomes and that offense on the sidelines, I'm calling it. I think the Jazz can pull it upset tomorrow. I, I, Facts. I, I think I think the Jazz can do it, man. Me too. They're a well coached team. They don't have anything to lose. Ain't gonna be no fear. Nobody expects them to win or, or to have a chance. So they got they gonna go out there and they gonna leave it all on the field. And I think they go shock the world tomorrow. I, I, I think be so I, cool. I agree with you. And, and Trevor still has not lost on a Saturday. So that'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He's undefeated on Saturdays. 37 and 0. All right. On Saturday. David says Jacksonville has a chance, but it won't happen. I got you. Miss Barbara says San Francisco, please be Dallas. Um, Barbara, no. I, love you. I love you, but that ain't happening. But that ain't happening. Thank you. Yeah, you can, you can let that go. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's see. Well, so the second game, um, let's see the second Wait, game. Wait, Dolph. Yes, sir. I, I agree with you, man. I think if if um the Jags can keep a balanced offense, always have them guessing, don't let them guess your rhythm, mm-hmm. they can beat them, but they have to start out efficient and have to end the game efficient. Right. That's the only problem I see. That's the only problem. Okay. Now here's the game where I definitely I'm confident with this because they're, because they're divisional rivals. I think the Giants beat the Eagles. Facts. I, yeah. I, I, I get that a 75% chance the Giants going in there and beating Philly. James, what, what's your thought on that? And Coach, what's your thought? Wow. 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 Uh, how? I'd like to hear your reasoning. Why? Division rivals, I think – the the first time the, the times they played this year, I just think the Giants, because they're familiar with them, I think 
They're, they're playing good football right now. And we know every year during the playoff, one team, as Coach um, said last night, one team gets hot. And in history, the team that normally does that is the Giants. And they normally, when they get hot, as, then they're a Ooh. wild card team. So I'm going Gosh. back with history. <laughs> Sometimes they have, they have advanced. They were a wild card team. No one expected anything from them. They, they came in, they got hot. And they rolled through the um, playoff. Mm. They're not. They're not afraid of the uh, of the uh, of the Eagles. They know. They know what they have to do against them. They both know each other. I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks who play better. And I think I don't believe I'm saying. I think Daniel Jones is going to outperform Jalen Hurst. Um, come come tomorrow because I don't think Jalen Hurts is um fully healthy. Healthy. I think it's the playoffs and he's just going out there gutting it out for the team. So that, mm. that, that'll be my reason. I, I, I kind of got. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I kind of agree. Uh, I think, to be honest, even if Jalen was 100% healthy, I think since it will be a, a tight game, Jalen Hurts isn't really a great quarterback. He. I know people. I know people are like, "Oh, he was in the MVP race and this and that." But I feel like he is a. Are you cutting out on God, crazy? Go ahead, James. I lost coach. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I had to bet, I'd, I'd bet on the Eagles. I mean, they're at home. They're the right. better team. Um, they outscored them. I think seventy thirty eight this year. Um, the last game was interesting, right? Because like Daniel Jones didn't play Saquon didn't play. Um, and it, it wasn't really close. Like I know the finals, I don't remember exactly what the final score was, but I, it was like 21, 17, 20, something, something like that. Um, but in watching that, you know, Hertz didn't play very well and the giants ran all over them. And that was, you know, Daniel Jones didn't play and Daniel Jones is a threat with his legs and Saquon didn't play. Uh, right. And the Giants ran all over them. And yet, you know, they didn't really score. I think it was like 16 nothing or 17 nothing, 19 nothing, something like that yeah. towards the end of the third quarter. So Jalen, you know, that, that Tampa playoff game sticks in a lot of people's memories where he had a rough game. Um, and so if he's not himself, and I guess I could see the Giants winning, but if I, if I have to bet, I'm definitely betting on the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles. they're at home and they're, they're 14 and 3. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so let let let's go to Sunday's game. Sunday's first game, Buffalo and Cincinnati. Um, to me, this is a that's the game. Up. That's the game I'm most excited for. I mean, I, I'm really excited. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got the flow. Oh, do I? Okay. I th yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. I was talking over you. I think we're on a ah. little bit of a delay. Yeah. Let's see. There it goes. Um, can you hear me? Can, can, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah I can, can hear you. Hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the game I'm probably most excited for. I was really excited to see it in the regular season, you know, and and of course uh, that didn't happen. Um. So, like, if the Bengals were fully healthy and the Bills were fully healthy, I'd take the Bengals. I think the Bengals' offense is more dynamic. Jamar Chase is one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. Um, I think he's he's remarkable. 
And but the Bengals' offensive line is so beat up that it's possible, you know, Buffalo dominates the line of scrimmage. So if I if I had to bet, I would bet on the Bills. Um, but I'm really interested to see, you know, the quarterbacks. Uh, I, I just I love high end quarterback play. I'm really interested to see that. I think Josh is still struggling with an injury, and he's been a little wild. But I love watching him play. Right. Um, so I'll take the Bills, but it, it won't surprise me if the Bengals win. It's just offensive line's a big deal. I mean, we saw Kansas City and, and like we saw Mahomes look terrible in that Super Bowl when they couldn't right. protect him. I mean, he still had Tyreek, he still had Travis Kelsey, but he looked terrible because they couldn't keep him upright. And um, it could be a long day for Burrow. Gotcha. And Christopher say Bengals, they got Jamal Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Board. I picked them. Joe Burrow will get the win. Joe Burrow's that dude. He's a difference maker, man. Uh, like, I, it, it's a toss-up, man. I, I, If I had to, I'd say the Bills because only because they're at home. And, it, and, it, and the emotions that are going to be um, wrapped up in, 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 in this game. But I, I, I don't think the Bills advanced to the Super Bowl this year, though. I don't. Um, so you got the Chiefs? I got, I got the um, – well, I just picked the Chiefs to get upset by Jacksonville. But oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, so I can't – I can't – but what's funny is I just picked the Chiefs and Cowboys uh, last night to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, but it, I don't know. I just got a feeling about these, uh, these young Jags, man. I, I just – first of all, I like that they're young. They don't know any better, and I just think they're well coached. I think they have a very good coach. Yeah, who's gonna, who, awesome. yeah, yeah. He who's gonna have them ready, man. So that that, that that's my thoughts on that. And the big game, the game is Barbara's waiting for <laughs> the Cowboys and the 49ers. Cowboys all day, baby. The, really? Hey, it goes strike midnight on Purdy. Now, this is what I noticed on um, James from last week. I noticed that in the pocket, Purdy's um uh, completion rating and accuracy goes down. He made all, all his plays were he was outside the pocket. Either um, Shanahan rolled him out or he was ab-living because he, because he was getting pressure all day. Seattle was getting pressure on him all day. They just couldn't bring him down. Michael Parsons will have at least two and a half to three sacks in this game. Cowboys will win. Cowboys will attack. They will attack San Francisco safeties with the tight ends. Cowboys have three good tight ends, Schultz, Ferguson, and uh, I forgot the other young man. That's that's the weak link of, of the 49ers team. The, I, I believe yeah. the 49ers are going to try to come out. They're going to try to take away Tony Pollard, and I think they're going to try to take away Schultz, the tight end. So that's going to leave um, um, T.Y. Hilton and um, CD. And CD to eat all day, but the, the corners for the um the 49ers, they're okay. And I think the Cowboys O-line will give Dak time, and the Cowboys will win this game, I'm going to say 27 to 19. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think the, I think the Niners smack them personally. Um, I think the, the, the way the NFL set the schedule up, I think they want the Niners to win. Like I'm not saying yeah. it's. It, I, I actually was talking with somebody recently that was telling me the NFL was like the WWE, and I was like, dude, yeah. come on. But um, I mean, 
you know, the, the Niners play, I mean, the Cowboys played on Monday, right? And you got basically yeah. a Tuesday travel day. So you're talking like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You got like four days to really get ready. Whereas the Niners played on Saturday and they right. were at home. So you got, right. you're talking Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You got seven days. It's like three extra days. Yeah, Some people have been saying two, but it's, it's, it's really like three extra days. So I just, I think that will play into it. I think um, they'll have more energy. I think they're, I actually like McCarthy as a coach. I, I know people have been down on them for years, and I think it's because everybody yeah. recognized, you know, what a talent Rodgers was. It, it's uh, it's funny. It's always been funny to me the difference um, how people look at Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy, because when you look at their resumes, they're almost identical. Exactly. Win percentage, playoff, all of it. In, in fact, McCarthy. Some people would say McCarthy has a better resume. Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to slight Drew here, but I think the reason that people praise Peyton to the extent they do, and Rip McCarthy to the extent they do, is because all those people recognize Aaron Rodgers was a much greater talent than Drew Brees. And I, I, I know Saints oh, yeah. fans will get mad at me about that. I'm probably, I'm probably gonna get DMs, but I'm serious. Like they've got the, the two coaches basically have the same resume, and yet McCarthy has been just flamed as a bum for years, and Peyton's held up like a god. And why is that? It's because people look at Aaron Rodgers totally different than they look at Breeze. Fair or not? I just right. think that's the way it is. Um, right. That well, that said, Breeze is better. <laughs> that said, give me Kyle Shanahan any day of the week over over McCarthy. Okay. Shanahan to me is a genius. Like I, I think I think coaching and and the the travel and the uh, the time of preparation is going to be the difference in the game. Okay. Let Let me ask you this: While we talking about coaches, right quick. Why, when people talk about the top coaches in the league and top one of the top coaches of all time, why is Mike Tomlin left out? Oh, I know. I love Tomlin, and I was, I was, I was sort of kind of hoping. Like, I don't know. I don't want to say I was hoping, but it would have, it would have intrigued me. It would have made me happy to see Jameis sign with the Steelers last year. Um, I don't think the Steelers – I think the Steelers knew Jameis wasn't leaving, right? And they jumped on Trubisky quick, and then, of course, they just benched him, you know, to move to pick it pretty fast. Um, but I love Tomlin. I think he's a magnificent coach. And he's got a lot of haters. It's it's ridiculous. The dude's never had a losing season. Bam. Never. Like, he had one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire NFL this year in Pickett, and the other guy that was starting was one of the worst in Trubisky, and he still didn't have a losing record. Started two and six, and it started two and six. (laughs) That's an incredible coach. I think he's one of the best they ever do it. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's been to what, two Super Bowls or one? I think he's been to two Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's won one, and I I just think he's uh, greatly – uh, unappreciated, undervalued. I think he's one of the best coaches in the National Football League today, and will go down as one of the best ever to uh, the coach. And like I said, his resume is better than Sean Payton's, and he, he, the man never had a losing season. That's amazing to me. Never. Yeah, yeah. And when trans, then when transferring from a Hall of Fame quarterback, you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback in Big Ben. And you bring in Trubisky and, and and Pickett, you start off two and six, and what you, and what they finish seven and um uh, seven and two, and you yeah. the man wins nine games. I th- I just think the man's a hell of a coach. Yeah, and then and then you look at that too. The division they were in, they're in a division with two playoff teams. 
and they still didn't have a losing record with two of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And then you got the Saints. They're in the worst division in all of football, and they went 7-10. and Like, come on. Don't don't remind (laughs) us. And they're bringing them back, both of them. So, uh, enough enough for that. They they're killing me. So 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 who you got? You you, you think the 49ers go go get it done? Yeah yeah, I think I think I think preparation time and Shanahan gets it done. Do like you I, think it'll be like, close? I mean, Purdy, it's a it's a fun run, but to me, it's it's pretty much all Shanahan. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So let, let me ask you this: If Purdy plays good um, Sunday and in in the NFC Championship game and goes on and they win the Super Bowl. Do the 49ers move on, put Trey Lance on the on the on trade block? It's possible. The thing, the thing with that, I would I would say no. And the okay. reason being they invested so much into him. Okay. And I don't think he's worth much at all on the trade market. Like nobody's ever seen him do anything. And when he did play, he didn't look very good. Like, I mean, what are you really gonna get for him? And okay. and on top of that, he's on a really cheap rookie deal. Purdy's on a really cheap rookie deal. Like you can easily keep the two of those dudes together. There's no, there's no reason you have to move one. So Garoppolo's um, the you, you high, could, high man out. Yeah, I think he'd be gone. Um, I think Brady, Tom Brady's going to do his best to try to get in there, but I think Shanahan probably says thanks, but no thanks. Um, okay. okay, so you think there's a possibility uh, Brady wants to um, go to Frisco play for Shanahan? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think Brady wanted to do that before, and Shanahan said thanks, but no thanks, and I think he'll try again. Um, I mean, honestly, like pretty much every quarterback in the NFL would want to go play with Kyle. Like, really? Like, you, like I, I remember the Steph Curry stuff, right? There was a lot of Steph Curry hate for a while. Right. And it, it was, it, it's all jealousy. Like, it's all jealousy based. And it's the same thing. Like, players in the NFL and other quarterbacks, I can just imagine if you put every quarterback in a room together right? Except mm-hmm. San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks. Every single one of them would just be furious at the success that Garoppolo had, at the success Purdy had, and they'd all be like, those guys suck compared to us. If right. we could get to Frisco, we dominate. Like, everybody wants to be with Kyle. So I think yeah. I think Tom would love that because I think I actually think, you know, Tom could just go there and win a Super Bowl next year. Like, they're that how, special. How, how um, about Jameis? I would love to see Jameis with Kyle. And That's dangerous. In, 20, in 2015, you know, the Bucks were coming off a two-win season. They had the number one pick in the draft, and Kyle Shanahan was a free agent coach. And Kyle Shanahan had a history of being in Tampa before. They could have drafted Jameis number one and paired him with Kyle. And, like, had that happened, I think Jameis would be sitting where Mahomes is, honestly. Like, I think that would have been amazing. But they stuck with Lovey Smith, and I like Lovey. But, you know, they stuck with Lovey Smith, the defensive-minded head coach, and then one year off, they moved off him and went to Todd or uh, Dirk Cutter. You know, and that's just what happens sometimes. You know, Brock Purdy right. was drafted into the perfect situation for him, right? He went right. to a loaded team with a genius head coach, and that's what happens sometimes. Tom Brady right. was drafted into a perfect situation for him, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Now, let's go to boxing, and I, and I got you. Let, let's talk about your heavyweights. So we got we got a ranking right here. I, I want I want your opinion on, on on this list. I just go with the top five, the ones we know. What's your thought on Lu, uh, Ortiz, Louis Luis Ortiz? Because I think yeah. he and well, I think Ortiz is going to fight. Um, I think he's about to fight uh, Wilder, if I'm not mistaken, or, or Ruiz, I believe, one of them. 
So what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, to, to, to me, to me, give me Wilder. Um, that, that one punch power is crazy. Um, I think the class of, of the heavyweights is Fury and Usyk. Uh, and I want to see them fight. I know yeah. I want to see it be a four belt fight, right? Like there's never been a four belt unification heavyweight title right. fight in history. And that's what I want to see that. I want, right. I want all the belts on the line. Now they're talking about maybe that won't happen, but I want to see that bad. And I love both Fury and Usyk and, um, and then Wilder for me would be number three in the heavyweight division. I never knew Usyk had all these belts, man. He got up, so he's then, a bad boy. He's twenty and zero. hasn't 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 lost. Wow. So I thought I thought um, um, Fury had um, the WBA and the IBF. Did he get stripped of them? No, Fury's got two, and Usyk's got two. And Hoover's got two. Okay, because here on the ranking they got. Um, Usyk as number one as pound for pound the best heavyweight right now, and they got uh, Tyson Fury ranked number two. What about what's your thoughts on Joe Jarsh? I, I haven't seen. I'm gonna have to watch some video on him. I see he's 15 I, I and 0. Never heard of him. Yeah. I, well, I don't think he'd take Fury or Usyk. <laughs> gotcha. Now the most disappointing of the heavyweights to me is Anthony Joshua. I think yeah, he's he, he's built like a Greek god, and and but he don't yeah, fight like one. <laughs> he don't fight like one. And what when what Ruiz did to him was just it's just insane, man. Yeah, you're right. Built like a Greek god, built like Toys and fight like James. So yeah, yeah man. <laughs> but look, James, man. Again, I want to thank you, man, on behalf of myself and my co-host, Coach Rock, and the Keeping the Real family, man. You are now family. You're welcome back anytime, man. We thank you for taking the time out this evening to come um, enlighten us and share your knowledge of Jameis Winston, the NFL, the NBA, boxing, just everything, man. We truly enjoyed it, man. And again, I appreciate you, man. And uh, I look forward to um, having you back on the show. Like I say, anytime, man, anytime you want to drop some nuggets or anything, man, just, just feel free to come on over, man. And, uh, man, uh, let me ask you this, man. Like some of the um, – like the metrics and everything that you um, what 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 where would I go to, to to look those things up? Is there a particular site I go to, or or is it in? Yeah, well, there, there there's multiple sites like um, ProFootballReference.com is a good one, and that's okay. a it's an easy one to navigate, um, both for team stats and player stats. Next okay. Gen Stats, for the NFL Next Gen Stats is a good one. Football Outsiders, but I mean, there's a lot of different ones, right? Like there used to be certain sites that would only have a particular stat that you couldn't find anywhere else. Okay. And now there there's, there's sites that generally have all of them, but I would say next gen is, is easy to use, fun to use and pro football reference. Okay. 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 Well, man, again, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, my brother, uh, your family. Anytime, man, you're welcome. Anytime. And, uh, and I, I definitely be uh, hollering at you on Twitter and watch you argue with people. So <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun, brother. Thanks I, for having uh, me man, on. Man, anytime, man. Again, thank you for being here. So keeping it real, family, let's give a big thank you to the one and only author Jameis 101. He's family now, man. And uh we go, we go see if his predictions or mine come through, come through starting tomorrow. So with that saying, my brother, you have a good night and we'll talk to you later. You too, brother. All right, thank you. All right, family, listen, it got 23 of us in here now. I ask everyone to please hit that like bell. If it was your first time, subscribe. 
And I ask everyone to please share this show on your social media platforms. L Dub, thank you, bro. It's a great show because of you guys, because of our guest, James 101. I want to thank God of Creation, aka the scientist. Um, of course, my co-host, Coach Rock. Um, man, listen, everybody in the chat. Hey, Malik, man, you had some great. Thank you, my brother. Uh, David, as always, family. Barbara, Christopher, uh, Hoodie came through, Hoodie, uh, Eric, OG, uh, Zach, real fan, um, Carlos and PJ, AK the scientist, Marley Maul, Demetrius. Thank you, Demetrius, for coming on, my brother. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for being here. Uh, who else I got? Uh, Wallace, thank you for being in the house, my brother. I saw you in the chat. Knew you was here, baby. Number one Saint fan. Who that Dana? Miss Barbara, love you guys. Thank you. Discipline is the key. Welcome to the family. Hit that like bell. Subscribe. Welcome to the family. Thank you for being here. Y'all know how we do. Well, look, I'm about to get on out here, and y'all know how we go out. Love and who that? And we talk to you guys later. Have a good night, family. Keeping it real with that sports pod, legendary coach Rock, those 17. Let's rock. Who that? Boss kick. Black and gold. Let's go. First and go from the one. Best believe we go punch. Punching in, get them punch. With them saints. Watch as much. Down the field, down your throat. Keeping it real. Who that sports? Breaking news, interviews, open lines just for you. Call in, join in, Hell Nation, just win, B.I., Mount Zion, Coach Green, oh my, CJ, JV, Trick or Trade, Jose, uh, keep it real, baby, keep it real, baby.